0: Hi, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business. What is Mind Your Business? It is a website full of great content and podcasts that come from real world experience, not a bunch of crap you read in a textbook. Listen, folks, this is 30 years of be running businesses, businesses that I started from scratch or that I was hired to help run. This is real world, great nuggets of knowledge. The whole idea of Mind Your Business is for you to build your personal capacity. It's your ability. to make an impact in your world, whether it's an organization, whether it's a club, whether it's within your family or anything you do, can you make an impact? And the answer is yes. But every day you got to get better. You've got to get stronger. It's just like being an athlete. You, You build your muscles, you build your endurance. Well, in business, you build your knowledge, you build your experience, you build your expertise, and then you take that to the marketplace. That is how you build your capacity. Now, who should be listening? There's not a soul out there that can't benefit from this content. But let me tell you, out of 10 people, everybody's going to get a different nugget out of every piece of content. So when you're listening to this, listen for the stuff that really resonates for you. And then send me a message. Connect with us. Be engaged. Let us know what's working for you and what you need more of. This is going to be a great great adventure for all of us. And I'm very excited that you're a part of what we're doing. What if I was to tell you that most people believe that success or failure in interviewing for a job is all about luck? I don't believe it at all. I think people that are a failure at interviewing are a failure because they had no plan. They had no executable strategy. And people that are very successful knew what they wanted. They thought about how they were going to get there and they planned. They had a strategy. We're going to be talking about strategic interviewing. It's all about five absolutes that you need to know that if you follow these absolutes, if you put them in your heart. If you've got them in your mind during the interview, you're going to have a great, great chance of landing an unbelievable job and being paid as much or more than you're worth. This is Mark Lewandowski. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. The topic is called strategic interviewing. The whole idea is that I believe that you can get the very best jobs possible and also at the very best pay possible, but you can't do it with luck. You know, if you've been listening to me for these weeks and months, and even if you've been listening to me for years, you hear me say all the time, luck is not a strategy. Today, we're not going to rely upon luck. Too many people When they're interviewing for a great job or an awesome opportunity, rely on luck. They think, well, there's nothing I can do to really plan this event. I can't really be in control of this event. So I'm just going to go in and do my best. You know, that kind of mentality sounds a lot to me like someone that's relying on luck. We're not going to do that today. You know, I interview a lot of people. We've got five companies that we run or own, and literally 2,000 employees. And among all those employees, there's a lot of opportunity to replace people and to interview top candidates who might get a job. Too often I see people that should do a great job interviewing just absolutely fail when they get here. Just last week was a perfect example. It was one of the reasons why we're having this particular training session is that I, I just got fed up with the lack of quality interviews. It wasn't the talent of the people. It wasn't the quality of the person. It was the fact that they just did an absolutely terrible job preparing for and executing the interview. I see it all the time. I see low energy I see terrible resumes. I see people that do absolutely no research about the company or companies that we own where they're trying to become an employee. And worse, the worst thing of everything I see is a resume that shows that they're job hopping year after year after year. It seems like Every eight months, 12 months, maybe 14 months, they're switching roles and doing something different. And it all comes down to the fact that they didn't get the optimum job, so therefore they settled. And because they settled, they were unhappy, and here they are interviewing again. But you are not that person. You know, I'm confident that you're not that person, because if you are that person that I've interviewed and wasn't happy with and didn't hire you wouldn't be an ongoing learner like you are now. You know, you're listening to this, taking your time, listening, developing yourself. You are a learner. You are a planner and you are a strategist. So today, what we're going to talk about is strategic interviewing. It's purposeful. It is thoughtful. It is strategic. And we're going to start today with five Absolutes of Optimal Interviewing and Getting the Right Job. Absolute number one is probably the most important thing that you'll ever consider before an interview. And if you don't get this piece, friends, you've really missed it. I want to slow down and just really hammer this thought out that if you get this one piece if you really grab a hold of, of the first absolute of interviewing, you're going to be miles ahead of the competition. Absolute number one is think like a solution, not an employee. What does that mean? I thought you're interviewing to become an employee. No, no, no. You're interviewing because somebody has a problem and they need a solution. You know, no business that I know of ever sits back and says, you know, we have 120 employees. What we really need is 121 employees. So now that we've got 120 employees, let's go find one more. No one ever, ever says that. What they say is, we as an organization have a problem, or we as an organization have an opportunity, and we need a solution See, in order to be great, in order to grasp the best jobs, and as we're going to talk later, in order to get the optimum amount of pay, you must become a solution and not consider yourself an employee. Now, what's the difference? The difference is a solution person is trying to find out how they can be an answer to a problem a company has. And therefore, before the interview, the solution person is doing the research and during the interview, listening for cues that would help them understand what are the problems in the organization that have led the organization to opening up a job and seeking a solution. So what you've got to do in advance of the interview is you have to research the industry, Research the company and then while you're in the interview, look for clues, what we call them, cues, little words or phrases someone might use that will help you understand what it is that's their problem that leads to you becoming the solution. So number one, as long as you get this, you're in great shape. You must think like a solution, not an employee. Don't, don't go get a job. Grab a career. Don't get a paycheck. Be a solution. All right. Let's move on to number two. Number two is a very important absolute. And it's one that people are the most uncomfortable with. You know, me convincing you that you're not just an employee, but you're really a solution. That's one thing. But this one's tough. This one's a real challenge. And the people that do this get the best jobs and they get paid well for them. And absolute number two is be in control of the interview. You just looked at me like I'm crazy. Have you lost your mind, Mark? Be in control of the interview. The last thing you feel when you're going in for an interview is that you're in control, yet you are. You must be in control of the interview. Well, how do you do that? You do that by thinking in advance. Remember, we talked about that this interview process is a strategic process. You think about it in advance. You prepare yourself in advance. You get ready. You think through the process so you can control it. How do you control an interview? You control it by asking strategic questions. And we're going to break those questions into three types. The first one is personal questions. All right. A personal question. Now, many of you think, well... That means if I go into somebody's office, I look around, I see that they've got a tennis racket on the wall. And you say something really bright like, oh, do you play tennis? (laughs) No shit, I play tennis. I got a tennis racket on the wall. Or you look and say, oh, you have three kids? Yeah, no kidding, I got three kids. There's a picture right there. Why do you need to ask that kind of ridiculous question? That's not a strategic personal question. A strategic personal question is while you're walking in, you say something like, I noticed this morning on CNN that this is occurring in your industry. Did you happen to see that article or did you see that? Did you see that newscast? It begins a dialogue where you're engaging one-on-one as a person. You're not asking about their wife or their dog or their children or their tennis racket. You're starting to engage in the reason that you're here. It's becoming a solution. So you ask a personal question about something about the industry. And if you're not looking into the industry, you're not going to get the best jobs. So this should be easy. You should be able to say, I read in The Economist this morning or I read in The Wall Street Journal or I saw on CNN. Those are the kinds of things you should be looking to say. All right, so those are personal questions. Look for a way to connect via the industry. Next, don't be afraid to ask a process question. Now, what is a process question? A process question might be, um, you might sit down and say, I'm a little bit nervous. And when I get nervous, I usually have very short answers. Please feel free to, to encourage me to expound. Or if I go start running off at the mouth, which I can do occasionally, you know, feel free to cut me off <laughs> and then laugh about it. The other thing I always say, I say something like this, let's agree to be very direct. If there's something on my resume that you really have a question about, I want you to know about it. So please feel free that you're not going to hurt my feelings asking probing questions about my career or my past. All of a sudden, what you've done is you've taken control of the meeting. You have now demonstrated to the person across the table or across the room that you are a peer. You're on maybe not an equal footing, not the same footing, but you are a peer able to work in an environment where truth and being frank is encouraged. Finally, the kind of question that you should be asking to control an interview would be closing questions about the elements of the job. You might want to say something like closing, I mean, things as they're starting to wrap up or closing a point. In in the dialogue, any kind of engagement in an interview. There's going to be, you know, tell me about your past. Tell me about your activities. Tell me about your past responsibilities. What are some of your talents? Those kinds of things. When we're starting to wrap those up, those are not just a close at the very end, but close midway. So you might say something like, how geographically diverse are your customers? See, those are the kind of questions the person on the other side wants to know that you're not just there, to get a paycheck, you're not just there because you don't have any money or you want more money. They want to know that you're truly curious about the industry sector. And if you're truly interested about the industry sector, then you've got to have some really good questions ready about who they are as an organization, what are your skill sets. Like, for example, if if I'm talking about a person's skill set in their past, you might want to say to me, Tell me, how did you feel about my past work experience fitting in the job that you have or the needs you have to to be satisfied? You know, I stumbled through it just there, but you're going to want to strategically think through those questions and say, what is it about my resume that either leads you to concern or is something that is exciting to you about my ability to do this job? Why can't you be in control of the interview? Absolute number one is you've got to think like a solution. Absolute number two is you've got to be in control of the interview or at least a portion of it by having really good questions. Questions are power. They control, guide, and direct the meeting. And they can extend it. What if the meeting is not going well? The interview is not really clicking along at, at a great pace? It's your responsibility to pull it out of the dump and figure out how to get it going on the right path. And you're going to do that through asking strategic questions. Be in control. Number three. Absolute number three is reflect the role you're interviewing for. Reflect the role. Now, what does that mean, reflect? Well, I want to break it down in some categories. First of all, I want to talk about how important your energy is. The other day, we had an interviewee, and it happened to be a female, and it was 8 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, this is a young generation doesn't really like to come to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. They like to more come to work at 10 and work till 7 or 7.30. But we had to get this interview out of the way, so we scheduled it at 8 in the morning. So I understand that the person might have a little bit of lack of energy at 8 in the morning. But this was exciting. It's an exciting time. You're going in for an interview. You've got your future in your hand. And the energy of this person was absolutely blah. It gave us such a bad taste in our mouth right away that this person started way behind even before it ever even began. It's like running a mile race, but you get a half a mile penalty. And you've got to really work to catch up. If you don't have great energy, you're not going to get a great job. Now, I want to say, when I say reflect the role, what I really mean is reflect that person that, that is interviewing you. Reflect equally and just above. I like to use a rule of 1.2. 1.2 times. In other words, if I'm interviewing for a, an accounting job, and the person that's interviewing me is a senior accountant at a big firm, and they're very calm. Then I want to be very calm too, but a little bit more excited than they are. I want to demonstrate that I'm excited about this job, but not overly, not crazy, not wild with excitement. With excitement, I have to reflect them. <clears throat> but if I'm interviewing for a sales position in a highly competitive, a highly demanding environment and the person that's interviewing me is very exciting, I've got to match that level of excitement and just a little above. Now, why do I say a little above? Is it possible that that person that's interviewing you had a rough morning, got a late start, maybe stayed up too long with some old friends, having a little too much wine? Maybe they're just not themselves today. So if you reflect who you think they are, at an even status, you might miss it. So that's why I say, always use the rule of 1.2 times. Be a little bit more energetic. Okay, let's move on to the next level of reflection. You need to dress like those individuals and dress according to the culture. There used to be a billboard on the highway where I would drive and it said, if you want your boss's job, wear your boss's suit. And I used to think, oh, my God, that's so stupid. But I was young and I didn't know. And now the truth is, I do know. If you want your boss's job, then wear your boss's suit, not his actual suit, but one similar. You should be a reflection of the type of people you want to be around and work with. If you're an, if you're an engineer today, they're always business casual. If you're an architect, they don't even usually wear shoes. They'll wear flip flops. But if you're in medical sales, you've got to be sharply dressed. You've got to reflect the position. And there's three rule, three rules about dress that I want to touch on. The rules I learned from my college roommate, he was a very, very strategic person, very bright guy. And he taught me these three, three rules. He said, Mark, you're always, you always want to overdress rather than underdress. Anytime you're going to an interview, you're going to a party, you're going to a meeting, you're going to a banquet, anytime you're representing your organization, always overdress rather than underdress. What happens if you go into a group interview and there are four people and all four of them have sport jackets on and you thought it was business casual, so you wore a sweater? You're going to feel stupid. It was much better for you to wear the sport jacket and everybody else is in a sweater, because then they're just going to giggle and say, "Hey, you realize you don't have to wear a sport jacket. We dress kind of like this. That's what you're looking for. Overdress rather than underdress. Rule number two about dressing is darker and more simple. Don't wear the fancy fringes and decorative stuff. Don't wear the brightest color. This is not the time for you to show off your fashion sense. This is the time for people to see past your clothing to your skill set that will help you become their solution. So darker and simpler. Don't wear, gentlemen. This is not the time to get your crazy uh, dress shirt colors out. Do that another time. This is the time to be conservative. Ladies, this isn't the time to wear the hottest, newest fad. This is the time to be conservative. And your final dress rule is quality over quantity. Why quality over quantity? Because people know. They know good stuff. And, and more importantly, when you're wearing the good stuff, you feel great. In a later training, I'm going to talk to you about being on the sale rack. But I want you to consider, if you're the kind of person that likes to go to the discount stores and flip through the sales and find something really cheap, I understand that. I have a temptation every time I walk by a sale bin to peek in there and see what's in there. We get really excited about coming up with it or finding a great deal. But when you're interviewing, you should be in something really nice that you feel really good about. And strategically, when you're building your wardrobe, Your portfolio wardrobe, those are the things that you're going to wear every day to work. You should have fewer items that are high quality than a whole bunch of junk. Don't buy 13 crappy shirts. Buy three really nice ones. All right, let's move on. I think it's really important for you to consider social media. Social media, your social media presence really needs to reflect the company. I'm on the board of directors for an organization, and when we were looking for a new president, the first thing we did after we honed it down to two possible candidates, and we looked at all of their social media, we're trying to determine, did they put anything up there that could harm us, or are they engaged socially that could help us? So think about it in this way. Is there anything on your web page that can hurt your ability to get a job? And have you placed strategically things on your on your Facebook or on your LinkedIn or any kind of web presence that will help you get a job? Think about that very strategically. Next, a lot of people are uncomfortable with eye contact. If you're going to have the ability to really reflect the role, then you've got to be able to. Look at the person in the eyes. If you're uncomfortable with that, practice. Practice with strangers. Practice in the mall. Practice at the grocery store. Don't wait till it's really important and try to use eye contact. Start developing your skill set of connecting with the person's eyes now because you're going to need it. That's a lifelong skill and you're going to need to have it. Next, posture posture is very important. Standing up tall, standing up confident, sitting upright. Don't slouch when you're interviewing, even if it's a very comfortable chair. It's interesting, there's TED Talks, and they're available to you on YouTube. And one of them that I recently saw was all about the power of posture. I highly recommend that you go on TED Talks and look at the power of posture and it will tell you a whole bunch about the way that you want to stand, the presence you carry, the strength and confidence you build. It's great stuff. We we don't have time for it in this session, but I want to encourage you to really look into posture. And finally, if you're going to reflect the role, reflect the handshake. This one's a tough one. You've got to match the person's intensity and duration of the handshake. It sounds scientific, doesn't it? It's kind of crazy, but you're going to reach out, get a good handshake, and try to reflect the strength of the handshake, the firmness, and how long they're going to shake. Don't be that crazy overshaker. If you've got an opportunity to meet somebody really special, don't be that weirdo that overshakes and overshakes. Of course, you guys that are listening to this, you're never going to be those weirdos. But reflect the handshake, grip pressure, and the duration of the shake. We're talking today about strategic interviewing. That's the process of planning in advance a successful endeavor moving through the interview for success. We started out by talking about that if you're really going to do a great job in an interview if you're really going to have success, you've got to think like a solution. You've got to become a solution, not just an employee. That's absolute number one, think like a solution. Absolute number two is be in control of the interview. We talked about that it's important for you to have questions that you plan that are both personal in nature process in nature, and closing. Wrap it up. Get more feedback from people. And third, the next absolute or the third absolute is reflect the role. You have to reflect the kinds of people that you're interviewing or visiting with during an interview. Our fourth absolute that we're going to talk about today is really important. I see this all the time. And I see it most commonly out of young people that are coming out of business school. In business school, What happens is toward the end of your academic pursuits, you make a lot of presentations and you you plan and you think and you've got a PowerPoint. And at the end of your presentation, here come the question and answer sessions. This is the time in your presentation where the professor or anybody on a board that's listening to you can raise their hand and ask you questions. And let's say that you know you've done a really good job on the presentation. Here comes the questions and your answers. If you hit it right and you answer all the questions, you go from an A to an A If you miss it, you go to a B minus. And so you're willing to take risk by making stuff up. I call that MSU, making shit up. You do not want to do that. And you certainly don't want to do it in my world. I see it all the time from this new generation of talent because they've become accustomed at risking when they should be conservative. So rule number four, absolute rule number four, is don't overreach. Overreach is that habit of saying too much, things that you don't know for sure, reaching over the top to connect or to make an impression, and taking a chance. I don't like that. Overreach to me is... When you come into my office and you're going to tell me about a problem and I say, what do you think we should do? Or what's the percentage of individuals within our industry sector that have this? And you just make it up. You cannot make up things in my world. In my world, there are no B minuses. You're either an A or you're an F. And if you're an F, I got to get rid of you. You cannot make things up. Here's the kind of stuff I see. I see somebody put down on their resume materials relocation specialist. I'm like, what's a materials relocation specialist? Well, then I come to find out it's really just a very glorified name for stock boy. Don't make stuff up. If you don't know the answer, it's much better to pause and reflect and think about exactly how you might answer this question politically. Let's say that I'm doing a really nice job interviewing you. You're doing a great job responding. And I hit you with a question that you really don't know. Your temptation is to overreach, to make up an answer, to hope that you're right. You're you're now relying on luck instead of strategy. And remember, like we say, luck is not a strategy. A person that overreaches makes stuff up and throws it out there and hopes it sticks a really good strategic interviewer doesn't overreach, they pause and they reflect. See, many times to those of us who are interviewing, our questions are all about seeing how you handle challenges, how you think through processes, how you think about situations that you might not have considered. So it's more important to me that you pause and reflect and demonstrate to me that I can trust you. If you make stuff up, I cannot trust you. And if I can't trust you, you are not a solution to me. So don't overreach. Pause and reflect. Don't ramble. Rambling demonstrates that you're uncomfortable. Get to the point, support the point, and move on. It's okay to let an interviewer see the process of your thinking. You know, too many times people want to be real quiet and they want to, you know, think through and they just burst out an answer. It would be okay with me. In fact, I would love to see it. If I asked you a really difficult process question, like I said, how would you handle a situation like this? If you were to stop and break down the points kind of out loud and then think through what your options are, And then say to me, I think my best option is the second one, this. You've shown me that you can think through a process, and that is very impressive. So don't overreach. If you're going to be a great strategic interviewee, don't overreach. Be confident in your answers, but only answer what you know. Absolute number five is to finish strong. What does that mean to finish strong? You know, just like a great song in which you're going along and you're singing the song, and at the end, there's that great big crescendo, and there's the climax of the top of the song, and then we cut it off. Too many people in business processes, especially interview, have a good interview, and then it just falls off at the end. You've got to think through, how are you going to finish this interview? Well, Let's start with a couple of concepts. Number one, follow up immediately. I don't even think you should get home and take off your interview clothing and put on your regular clothes before you've handwritten a note and got it in the mail. You might say, well, that sounds just a little too eager for me. I don't want to show somebody that, that, that I'm that eager. Well, you know what? When I'm looking for a solution to a problem, I want, I want to find somebody that's absolutely engaged in solving these problems. Somebody that's absolutely excited about it, not somebody that's gonna think about it for a couple of weeks and then maybe get me a thank you note, you should be sending out thank yous immediately. Grab a business card, put it in your pocket, go home immediately, write that thank you note and get it mailed out. You know, years ago I had an opportunity to work for one of the best companies in my hometown. I was really excited. It was a major, major national player in the space. And, and the space was computing and technology. And I was really excited about it. And a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I got you an interview at this organization. And I was very, very excited about it. So, of course, I put on my interview suit and my best shirt, and I put on my favorite tie that's conservative and looks really good, and I polished my shoes, and I did it all. And I went to that interview, and I he and I hit it off beautifully. But where I failed was in some of the technology. I didn't understand all the technology, and I also didn't understand that the job was really a systems engineer job, not in sales. So The interview went well. We shook hands, walked to the elevator. I went right home, banged out a thank you letter, got it in the mail right away, and then I didn't hear from anyone. And I got a little nervous. And I thought with the with how eager they were to get this job filled, certainly, certainly they would have called me back by now. So I made a few attempts to call, and no one answered. So I got up one morning really early, put on my favorite suit. Did my hair shaved really close. And I went to the company at 630 and sat in the bench just outside the elevator and waited for the gentleman who interviewed me to show up. <clears throat> the door opened and in he walked, looked at me shocked, eyes as big as saucers and said, Mark, what are you doing here? And I said, I just didn't want you to forget me. And he burst out laughing. He said, Oh, I, I'm not going to forget you, especially not after this, but I've got to be honest with you. You know, the job that we had open was a systems engineer and I really don't think you're the best candidate. I think you're a much better candidate for marketing. And I've already passed your name and resume off to my colleague who handles the marketing and sales jobs. I was thrilled. Think that couldn't have gone better, but I was willing to demonstrate that I had such an eagerness, such an excitement about the job that I was willing to do what other people weren't. And that meant showing up early, waiting for a long time for someone to show up. You know, one of the things that is important in finishing strong is having the courage to ask why not. Let's say that you're in an interview and maybe you're called to a second interview and they're going through the process and you believe that this isn't going to work. In fact, all the indications and all the signs are pointing the fact that you're probably not going to be the one that gets hired. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you, years ago, one of my closest friends was interviewing for a great job in the security business. Not securities, but security business. And he went, he did all the research, did all the studying, knew all about the company, did a great first interview, great second, and they called him to the final interview where it was just he and one other guy. It was winner take all, zero sum game. One guy walks out with a job, the other one doesn't. And he looked at, and I remember my friend telling me that he looked across the waiting room and he stared that guy down and tried to say hello to him, but the other guy wasn't very, wasn't very uh, friendly. And so the other gentleman went in first and came out about 40 minutes later. And now it was my friend's time. My friend's name is Phil. And Phil goes in and he sits down and he has his third and final interview. And it was pretty tough. It was grueling. And when they got to the end, the gentleman reached over and patted him on the arm. And he said, Phil, thank you so much for coming and and going through this process. But we've decided that we're not hiring you. We're going to take a different candidate. And Phil sat back and he breathed a sigh of frustration and unhappiness. And then he sat back up and he said, Okay, I understand and I respect your decision. But before I go, would you please tell me how I could have been better? What could I have done to make you want to hire me instead of the other candidate? How? What can I take away from this experience that will make me better in the future. And the interviewer burst out laughing and said, Phil, that was what we were looking for. We wanted someone so eager to succeed that they would ask why not. Are you that person? Are you so eager to succeed that you'll ask why not? Now, maybe in a very first interview, you don't want to ask why not because you've not been told. But I will tell you, When I was a younger man, I had an opportunity to interview for a great job at Pepsi. And I sat down with the regional president of Pepsi Cola. And I was so excited about the opportunity because it was Pepsi. You know, it was going to be a great, great job. And we got to the end and I didn't know much uh, about the company, not as much as I should. I wasn't as prepared as you were going to be. But at least I had an understanding that I need to ask one good question. So I said, tell me before I go is there any piece of advice that you've learned in your experience in business that you wish you could pass on to this younger generation like me? And the gentleman looked and he said, yes, never skip steps. And then he paused. Never skip steps because you'll always have to go back and repeat them. I remember that like it was yesterday because that was important and it, it gave a personal connection between the president of that region of Pepsi and this young kid interviewing trying to become a solution. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We have talked about the absolutes of becoming a great interview candidate. The absolutes are you've got to think like a solution. You've got to be in control. You have to reflect the other people in the room. You have to be real and don't overreach. And finally, you've got to finish strong. You know, one of the bonus, a little bonus piece I want to talk to you about is, and we're going to do this really deeply in a future episode. But the bonus is I want to talk about pay. Every job has a, a standard type of pay that the person is considering. They're saying to themselves, if we go out and find a candidate, this is what we ought to be able to find them for. But it's rarely a static number. There's usually a a level above that people are willing to go. And there's also always a level below that they're willing to go. So when you think about pay, you have to understand that pay is a direct result of the person's perception of your value. Let me say that again. Pay is a result of the other person's perception of your value. Therefore, if that person perceives you as a solution to their needs or a solution to the opportunity that sits in front of them, they're going to want to pay you more. And if they believe that you're a safe choice... Not only not only are you a solution, but you're a safe choice that is worthy of extra pay as well. So what do I mean? Well, what I mean is if I look at your resume and you've changed jobs every year, and I know it takes about 10 months to get you thoroughly trained and through the process to start really making an impact on my company, you're not safe to me. In fact, you're very risky. I could spend an entire year paying you, hoping you'd become a solution for you just to leave. We've been, as an organization, the victim of spending a lot of money training people and giving them a great opportunity for some bigger company, big publicly traded organization to sweep in, offer a whole lot more money and try to steal our people from us. And it sucks. Because if they leave... All of that investment is what we call sunk cost. It's, it's gone. I can never get it back. So here's what I'm looking for. Are you a solution and are you a safe solution? And if you're a solution and a safe solution, I think you're worth a lot of money. So consider that as you're interviewing. Am I a solution? That ought to be the very first thing you think about when you get up and get ready. How am I going to demonstrate to these people that I am a solution to the challenges they face? And how am I going to find out what their problems are? Remember, in the controlling part where I said absolute number two is you've absolutely got to be in control of the interview. If you can find out what the problems are that this organization is going through, you know how to become a solution. Remember I talked to you earlier about the fact that you ought to open with a personal question, and the personal question ought to be it shouldn't be about a tennis racket or how many children they have, but asking something like this, before we begin, could you tell me the three biggest challenges you go through as an individual within this organization, or what are your three biggest challenges as the owner of this company? If they're going to tell you what those are, first, you're in complete control of the interview. Number two, they're telling you what's important for you to become the solution. This whole concept today is all about thinking in advance how you're going to go from an interview candidate to a highly paid solution within the organization. And between where you are now and where you want to go is an interview. And it's up to you to strategically plan how you're going to get through that interview successfully. I know you can do it. You're bright, you're talented, and you're putting in the effort. And before we wrap up, I want to tell you that there's probably one more thing you ought to know. Every time you get nervous, you'll either bubble over with excitement or you'll be super calm and withdrawn. Neither one of those are part of a great strategy. So you gotta have a process right before you walk in to motivate yourself to get excited in a positive way. For me, it's music. I love to put on my favorite music and sing at the top of my, at the top of my voice in my car. Other people like to watch really exciting or motivational videos, just a short piece, but something that changes your mentality. It changes the way you think. It changes your whole aura your mojo. Have something ready to go before you walk into an interview that puts you in the best position to be great. Hey guys, this is Mark Lewandowski thanking you for joining me today. I'm really excited that you're enjoying the content. It means a lot to me and I want to encourage you to go deeper into this content by visiting my website at marklewandowski.com. On that website, you're going to find more information like blog posts and all of the other topics we've talked about thus far. And while supplies last, I'm going to give you a copy of my book called Rattle Your Cage. It is a bestseller, and it's an idea stimulator. It's designed to help you kickstart your ideas, get more and more out of your day, more and more out of the way you think, And I'm excited about it. So go onto my website, go to the connect section, fill in the information, and I'll send a book to you right away. Again, thank you for being a part of the special things we're doing. Tell your friends and your family members where you're getting this good content. And remember that some is not a number. Soon is not a time. And damn it, luck is not a strategy.